0: You're listening to The Tales We Tell, a podcast about spooky stories, unsolved mysteries, and local lore. I'm your host, Hannah Parch, and I'm Katie. Welcome back! We haven't recorded in like two weeks, three weeks.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. It's been I a was actually minute. a little worried when you were like, Are you ready? And I'm like, I I don't know. <laughs> Worried. Too. I'm out of practice. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I was like, I haven't said
0: the intro in a hot minute. And um yeah, we just haven't recorded ourselves in a while, which is good for us because I'm shocked that we like <laughs> planned out enough time to give ourselves like as big of a break as we had.
1: Yep. So yeah. I hope we remember how to do it. I hope you haven't missed us too much. <laughs>
0: I didn't write down any announcements, but I realized we should announce um, that we got a lovely Christmas gift from our listener, Amanda. And... Pictures will come soon. Pictures will come. I, Amanda, I completely forgot to take a picture of it all together. I was too excited, A, to (laughs) take my stuff, and B, to give Katie hers. But we do have a little addition to our altar, Which is a beautiful little pillow with a crow on it. It's so good. I love it. I know. And it like, it brings a softness that is much needed to Mm -hmm. this. So we officially have our crow and then we have our little incense or potpourri pouch that Kelly gave us. And a little, I guess I put the teapot up here too. Mm
1: -hmm. Anyways, thank you, Amanda. We love that our, our listener altar shelf is growing. Yes. We
0: also added a new addition to the office um, in the form of a creepy baby doll that my sister
1: regifted to me this Christmas. He was laying in wait under my blanket. He looks uh, a little worse for wear. He's... Yeah. I got him. I tried to lay him on his side with his arm up <laughs> doing the Burt Reynolds, but uh, he kind of rolled onto his back and he was just kind of like barely being propped up by the wall.
0: I'm hoping he falls on Katie during the I recording. Mean,
1: his head is definitely like all the way off the shelf, but I don't think he's going to yeah. To
0: uh, quote a term I learned down here, down here, I mean just like slightly further south than where I grew up. Two hours away <laughs> from where we grew up. He has been road hard and hung up wet. Yep. Anyway, also the it's wine. Put up wet. It's hung up wet. Road hard and put up wet. I'm pretty sure it's hung up wet. I'll double check my sources this week.
1: That's a phrase that I grew up with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is the the North Carolina version of it, the
1: Eastern North Carolina
0: version. (laughs) Also, I'm drinking Bully Hill wine from Memonisport, New York. That's what I would have guessed. There we go. And this is a Mellow Table wine from my mother-in-law. And she told me she got it for me specifically because she knows how much I love goats. (laughs) There's a goat on it. And... I said, ha ha, thank you so much. I uh, hate goats. She knows yeah. I hate goats. This goat, however, has normal pupils, so I don't hate him that much. But he still looks very
1: angry about it. He looks very much like a demon, but it's fine. Just <laughs> he just looks pissed off. hand him back it's, to you. It's adorable. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well. He looks like he's seen too much. He like...
0: does. He, uh, he's probably also hung up a little damp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a bubble water. It's blueberry and pomegranate. Oh. So that I can make my heartburn worse. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. You're looking very adorably pregnant. Thank you. It's,
0: uh... It's officially the year of your birth. (laughs) My creature's birth. Your creature's birth. Yep.
1: We, uh, we got a lot of work done in the nursery. Nice. So, like, all the painting's done. Nice. And, uh ordered some of the remaining furniture that we need to get so hopefully like within the next two weeks we'll have a lot of things like starting to be put away and stuff (laughs) because on one hand i'm like hurry up and get here but on the other hand i'm like take your time because i'm not ready yet wait i don't have room for you yet (laughs) uh we have been playing some though oh nice whenever he's kicking and like i could see Uh him trying to you know alien style claw his way out of my stomach i'll poke him back uh-huh. And then he'll kick again, and then I poke. <gasps> ah, they so cute. So we play. That's <laughs> adorable.
0: Fun. I love it. I thought we could start the new year with a good old-fashioned 1920s murder story. So love it. That's that's what we got here. Love it. And I do have pictures. I hope I referenced where I'm supposed to show you these pictures because <laughs> I don't know. Also, I am using a hotspot on my phone, everyone, because our internet went out just
1: as we started to record, and my notes wouldn't sync. <clears throat> Yeah, because for the first time, I was ready to record earlier <laughs> in the day, and she was ready later in the day, When it, and I was like, man, it's supposed to rain all day today. And then it no, happens. it slowed down, so now it's supposed to rain at five <laughs> when I got here, and literally as I pulled into the driveway, it started raining, <laughs> and it's supposed to like, rain and thunderstorm all into the night, and then potentially turn into snow by early morning. <gasps> really? I think it's less likely now that we'll get it, just going to say, it's been very warm today. <laughs> this whole week has been so warm. kill me, I hate it. But no, I was looking at the weather, and the storm has shifted northward okay, a little bit more, and okay. slowed down. So, the murder cabin's going to get potentially two to four inches of snow. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. It's Why great don't...
0: that I don't have to be there to deal with it. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, I don't have to work tomorrow, so I won't be up early enough to see if we have any snow but lucky yeah so i'm gonna kind of jump around a little bit in this story so i'm gonna start on march 10th of 1928 when a nine-year-old little boy named walter collins left his home in lincoln heights la to go see a movie and never came back so his mother Christine initially thought that Walter had been abducted by enemies of her husband Walter Sr. And when I first read that I was like, oh, weird how many people have like that many enemies. And then the Is next a mobster? <laughs> no, but he was currently in prison at Folsom State Prison for 8 counts of armed robbery and he worked in the prison cafeteria and one of his responsibilities was reporting other inmates infractions. So,
1: so, so yes, he would have some enemies. inside yes, I'd safe imagine. Safe to say,
0: not making a lot of friends. Some in enemies prison.
1: who either <laughs> whether they're still on the inside or not, at least have connections to the outside yes. and can make things happen. <laughs> yes. So reasonable fear here. All right. And Walter's starting starting startin off spicy, starting
0: strong. I'm telling you, Walter's disappearance received nationwide attention, and the LAPD, understandably, was under a lot of pressure to find him. And a lot of tips came in for this situation, including one from a gas station attendant in Glendale, which is just north of L.A. And, okay, I'm hoping that this, like, tip came in immediately after it happened, because this man told police that he had seen, quote, a dead boy wrapped in newspaper in the back of a car when a, quote, foreign couple had stopped at the gas station to ask for directions.
1: Yeah, we uh we got this dead kid in the back, and he's starting to smell. So
0: we need to get to our destination, Toronto. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I have so many questions just about that sentence. Number one, why are you wrapping the dead child in newspaper? Surely there was something better. Like I feel like that's the equivalent of being like, well, we wrapped him in like extra wide tin foil, and well, just the twenties.
1: They used newspaper for
0: everything <laughs> How back big then. Big were the newspapers, though.
1: Well, there was also, I mean, newspapers are pretty big as. In general. Yeah, but if I'm trying to wrap a child in... There's more than one sheet to well, the newspaper. I know, but Also, it... back in that day, I'm pretty sure they were still having morning news and evening news. No. Like, that's how big the newspaper was. I just... Like, there used to be multiple newspapers throughout the day.
0: I just feel like one sheet doesn't quite... It's not, like, a roll where you can wrap it around continuously. And, like, what's holding the newspaper together? Are we tying them up with twine? Obviously, you didn't wrap him well enough that someone looking into your car couldn't see that it was a body. And also, why are you keeping him in the backseat of your car? Why not the trunk? I'm just lots of questions. <laughs> That's just <laughs> from this very sense. tired up about that. Well, okay. So apart from what are you doing wrapping a, a dead boy in newspaper? The next part of this is that a man at the gas station whose name was C. V. Staley, which. Just a small side point. I think we should go back to just using our first two initials as first names, and so like no one knows what your real name is. So this guy CV, Follow K okay, H J. <laughs> Thank you. All right K L. <laughs> I really had to think hard on what. You're... <laughs> All I could think of was your last name. <laughs> I was like, what's your last name before she got married? <laughs> Okay, so KV follows the car when they leave because at least he's aware
1: enough to be like, this seems like a crime has been committed. This is very fishy. <laughs> Whether he's dead or not, a boy wrapped in newspaper in the back seat of a car yeah, is like, a little fishy. A little strange. So he follows the car but ends up losing it
0: somehow because of, I don't know, traffic. And probably not a professional tale, <laughs> probably not. And so the police, so someone, I guess the gas station attendant calls this into the police, hopefully right afterwards. and the police show both the attendant and Staley a picture of Walter Jr. because they're like, "Oh hey, I get there's a kid we miss- that is missing that we're looking for." And both of them were like, "Yes, that is the boy in the newspaper." wrapped in the newspaper not <laughs> printed down I was gonna say it sounds different to be clear um but then another tip came in about a couple that was traveling across the state with a boy who was begging for them to let him go which again there's a lot of like bystanders who seem to be watching crimes happen and just like holding on to that information until the police ask hmm. either way like neither situation is great March is when Walter Jr. went missing. In August, a young boy in Decob, Illinois, came forward and was like, Hey, I'm Walter Jr. I'm that kid you're looking for. And so... I'm po- suspicious. Police were like, great! And it is important to uh, point out that initially, this kid, Walter, in quotes, Hi, my name is Arthur <coughs> Kent, and hi. And then later he's like, oh, actually my name is Walter Collins. And the reason I told you my name was that other name is because I'm trying to protect my dad because he abandoned me. And and the LAPD were like, okay, sounds legit to me. Nope. And I've got one or two more questions. uh, Would you like to ask those now or later? I'm going to wait. Okay. So they sent letters and photographs between this Walter Child and Christine, the mother. And eventually, Christine ends up paying for this child to be brought to L.A. from Illinois. Which, hello LAPD. I feel like you should maybe cover that, but whatever.
1: Also, like I'm having more questions and more issues. Like the LAPD is because I don't believe for a second that this kid is Walter Jr. <laughs> the LAPD is essentially assisting in a kidnapping yes. of this boy. Yes. And, trans- and, I mean, Transfer- is kidnapping already a federal offense because it's a minor? I hope so. But if not, traveling, bringing him across state lines <laughs> definitely makes it
0: one, makes it one yeah. right? And Illinois and California are not not close. close. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty long, I mean, that was a, a couple days on a train, I would think. Well, anyways, they get him to L.A., and then they're like, okay, we're going to have a public reunion between Chris- You mean to Illinois? No, they bring him from Illinois to California.
1: Oh, I thought he was going to Illinois.
0: No. Okay, he, no He's in Illinois, and gotcha. he shows up, and he's like, I'm Walter. I oh, started he- over there, and now I'm here.
1: I don't know why my brain wasn't working right, <laughs> okay. but clearly this kid just wanted a free ticket to L.A. <laughs> Possibly. I don't blame him for wanting to get out of Illinois. So
0: they arranged this public reunion between Christine and the alleged Walter. And part of this is they had been getting a lot of criticism for not being able to solve this case. And so they're like, we're going to
1: publicly solve the case. But then also Also publicly embarrass yourselves when she's like, who the hell is this kid? (laughs) But also there had
0: been a corruption scandal that had like, recently tarnished the department's reputation and so they're like don't think about that mm-hmm.
1: look at this child look being at the happy <laughs> things we do reunited with their mother we solved a crime <laughs> and reunited a child yes no corruption here so, <laughs> never mind the fact that we couldn't catch the bad guys who stole him in the first place No, he
0: just he ran away his father abandoned him remember because he's in jail i don't know So, they have this reunion, and Christine is like, who the f*** is this? She basically says, um, not my kid. And police were like, no, no, this is your child. And she says,
1: no, it's not. And police captain JJ Jones, which... I mean, she saw pictures of him beforehand, right? Was it just like... Let me show you some pictures. It looks like it... Could be my son, but. I don't, I don't know. Um, like, I'm not a mother yet, but I feel like. I feel like. Especially since it's only a couple of months, not like several <laughs> years, and like he's gone from a 10 year old boy to a 18 yeah. you know, year old young man. Yeah, this like, is true. Well, I'm going to get to she this should. Picture. She should recognize him with. What's the four months difference five months difference <laughs> he's grown a lot his hairline changed
0: his eyes changed color that's weird so the police captain uh jj jones is like listen christine why don't you just take this kid and try him out for a little bit
1: they legit <laughs> orchestrated a freaking kidnapping and christine
0: is like i don't know what to do so she's like okay i guess i'm gonna take this kid that you that I like where else is he gonna go I guess I'll take him home with me and she takes him home and then three weeks later she comes back not to no one's surprise and is like yep not my kid also I brought my child's dental records also I showed this kid around to a bunch of people who know Walter and I have a bunch of signed statements here saying (laughs) No, this is not Walter. Gosh, she's
1: done more police work than the police she has. She
0: truly has. She's amazing.
1: Do you? But want- also, she's
0: a woman and they're not going to believe her. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to guess what happens next? They said,
1: no, no. <laughs>
0: this is your son. Captain Jones accuses Christine of trying to get the state to pay slash take care of her son. And also of trying to embarrass the police department. And then he has her committed to a psychiatric ward. That's right. It's,
1: no, no, you're a woman.
0: In the L.A. County General You Hospital. need to
1: go to a center. Yeah,
0: they're like, you're clearly delusional because you don't recognize your kid. You're
1: deranged with grief over losing your boy a few months ago. You don't
0: even recognize him. He's right here in front of you.
1: And what is this kid, like, well, in, like now the state does have to take care yeah, of him like, because, great. A, they stole him from Illinois, brought him to L.A., <laughs> And now committed the only parent who was <laughs> taking care of him. So yeah, now they're
0: f- yeah. So they put her in the hospital under uh, a code twelve, which is apparently a term that was used um, to commit someone on the basis of them being difficult or inconvenient. And I wow,
1: that, that, to... that was ever a thing. Yeah, oh. I.
0: I tried to look it up. I couldn't really find it, but it was also
1: 1928, so, like... Gosh, how many times could I have had my husband committed on a Code 12? Oh, my gosh. Like, a daily basis. (laughs) Difficult and inconvenient.
0: Thinking of specific (laughs) patients right now that I would like to have called the hospital on.
1: So, meanwhile... (laughs) Being Code 12 is my husband's favorite hobby. (laughs) It seriously is. It's something we talk about all the time. His, like... (laughs) greatest joy in life is annoying me (laughs) and pushing my buttons
0: (laughs) and I love that you guys got married (laughs) also can we just remember that when I first met you guys I thought you were already married and then a couple months later you announced your engagement and I was like wait what (laughs) what's happening oh my gosh okay so Christine's locked up and meanwhile this kid is like oh wait a minute (laughs)
1: So I guess I'm going to go back to the stranger's house. He's like, wait, uh,
0: sorry, actually, my name is Arthur Hutchins, and I'm actually 12, and actually, I ran away f- from Illinois. So meanwhile, and- my actual parents are probably <laughs> yeah, so, scared and looking for me. I'm going to show you, so these are the side-by-sides of Walter versus,
1: which I will give it, Arthur doesn't necessarily look 12. No, I mean... He looks like a young boy of, you know, that general age. I feel like he's between, like, 8 and 13. Well, and also, is. like, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like he has a completely different face than Walter. Yeah, but he's also got his face turned. Yeah. And maybe that's the only pictures they had were, like... And if and if that's the picture that she was shown, she's yeah. like, I don't think that's him. Like, like I, w- I, would say, like I don't think that's him, but you know, like if that's the only picture you've got,
0: yeah. His there's eyes enough. Are there's very enough different.
1: similarity. Yeah, the eyes, the eyebrows, like the whole bone structure is different. Yeah. Whereas you know Walter Junior has kind of more of a a rounder, mm-hmm. kind of more I guess compact face. Yeah. And again, we're looking at head on versus profile. Profile. So like, but Arthur has more. Delicate features, like with the, he's like
0: a pretty child. He is. He's a pretty
1: boy. (laughs) Yes. And like the, you know, stare he's given off the the side of the camera. (laughs) He's just got more of like a petite, delicate nose and the eyebrows. I have another picture to show you. This one's my favorite
0: because in the description it was like, uh, it was like here's a picture of Walter Jr. on a horse and here's a picture of Arthur on a horse. Which I'm gonna point out, Arthur is like several years younger in this picture. Also, these kind of look like drawings. Also. Oh, my. The, so many caveats. The caption was like, they look remarkably similar. I will argue that the only similarities Did they not have eyes in the Is that 20s? they're both on horses.
1: Literally, the only. Completely simil- different head
0: shape. The only First similarities are that they're both on horses. Yes. But they were like, wow, Arthur looked remarkably like Walter. That's no. Like, but he didn't.
1: He's he's got like first of all no muscle mass like he is and, literal skin and bones and he's
0: like six in this picture
1: right yeah. like he's significantly younger so, so I don't know. maybe maybe like eight but still that's two years <laughs> but I mean their head shape is so, it's different. so different they're all their facial features are completely different Walter looks kind of like the the Mad TV kid
0: yeah he does
1: and then yeah completely different anyways.
0: So, this is what was going on. So, so Arthur is like, hi, my name's Arthur. I'm sorry. Like, I lied. I'm a runaway. I'd like um, to go back to Illinois now.
1: <laughs> he said he ran away from Please home. don't lock me up in a mental institution. <laughs> I'll, I won't be difficult. I won't be well, code he's, 12
0: He's a boy, so it's, it's okay. It's true. Uh, so, he says he was trying to get away from his stepmother, uh, presumably just because he didn't like her. I don't think she was, like,
1: I mean, particularly sure. awful. I mean... This is okay for kid logic, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Adult and, logic, no.
0: But. so I know. Like, let's list all the reasons that I threatened to run away from home uh, when I was that age. So, allegedly, while he was, like, I don't know, on the street, someone told him he looked like Walter Jr. They're like, hey, you kind of look like that missing kid. And Arthur was like, hmm... That kid's near Hollywood, which sounds like a fun place to go. Maybe I can go meet some movie stars. Literally, that was his logic. Which, again, he's 12, so, like... I don't blame him. Makes sense. So, <laughs> so, he's, like, now told this story that makes perfect sense. And police are like, no, you're Walter Jr. And <laughs> police are like, listen... What the hell? We cannot open up this case again. We've already thrown away all the files. So they insisted that he was Walter until a handwriting expert concluded that the handwriting of Arthur definitely did not match samples from Walter.
1: So they're willing to go by handwriting (laughs) specialist and not their own damn eyes? Yeah. And And his own witness statement or his own (laughs) testimony (laughs) that he is not who this person is. Literally no one one is claiming,
0: literally no one is claiming that this child is Walter at this point except except for the police. (laughs) But apparently, by some huge coincidence or like stroke of luck, apparently Arthur wrote his R's a weird way. And it was a way that was commonly taught in Illinois schools, but not in California schools. (laughs) And they're like, oh, okay. I guess if you write your Illinois R's, then we'll believe that. Ten days after Arthur's confession, Christine is finally released from the hospital and promptly files a lawsuit against the LAPD. Yep. And she continues to remain hopeful that Walter is, like, still out there. And to be found. Meanwhile, that same month, a nineteen year old woman named Jessie Clark went to the American Consul in British Columbia, Canada and reported a upsetting situation. She said that her twelve year old brother Sandford was being physically and sexually abused by their uncle on a chicken ranch in Wineville, California. And she also said, Oh yeah, also my brother said that our uncle has killed four boys on the ranch.
1: How has she gotten this information? We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> so that is one <laughs> one heck
0: of a statement. That is a, a story. So this brings us to Gordon Stewart Northcott. And I'm gonna show you a picture of him and I just want you to tell me what you think
1: of him. There you go. He does look like he'd kill boys on a chicken ranch. Yeah, he looks like a dick. He looks like a little like weaselly man. Yeah, it's uh.
0: So I actually was in the middle of watching a. I'm not gonna call it a documentary about him. It was one of those Investigation Discovery like pretty poor reenactment mm-hmm. shows. But it was an episode about him, and according to this episode, he was incredibly spoiled. By his parents, specifically by his mother.
1: And he, he looks like a weasel and snivelly and, yeah, like, he's... he looks like he's one of those people that would be, like, very arrogant about things yeah. and have nothing to back it up. Yeah. Like, talk a lot of <gasps> shit. Yeah. And no follow through. Yeah. or And then if anything didn't go exactly his way, he definitely looks like i I'm taking my ball and going home.
0: Yeah. He, uh... He's all of those things. Okay. He's He turns out to be exactly that. Cool. <clears throat> cool, cool, cool. So, Gordon Stewart Northcott was born in 1906 in Bladworth, Saskatchewan, and he was raised in British Columbia, but then around 1924, he moved with his parents to L.A. And according to this show on Investigation Discovery, <laughs> the reason... I didn't see this in any of my research, but... According to them, the reason that they moved is because his parents kind of found out that he was a pedophile and, like, had sort of started abusing young boys. And they were like, whoops, we gotta go. (laughs) Maybe you leave this in Canada and we'll start over in L.A.
1: Yeah, we don't want this to ruin our reputation kind of a thing. So in
0: 1926, Gordon, who is 19, asks his father to buy him basically a ranch. In Wineville, California, which is in Riverside County. It's about an hour from LA. Also, in this show, they implied that his parents kind of understood this as like we'll give him a private isolated place so that if he's gonna do these things, at least
1: He won't get caught. He won't, get, won't get caught we, and like it's we not won't gonna get in trouble.
0: Yeah, for it. it won't be a big deal. Oh
1: <gasps>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh no! Oh, no, so, no. I have so many <laughs> problems with this. So he
0: builds a house and a bunch of chicken coops, I guess, and he brings down his 11 year old nephew Sanford Clark to help on the ranch.
1: Red flag, yeah. <laughs> and eventually he asks, like, this is <laughs> this is his <laughs> this is his cousin uh, right? nephew, his nephew, yeah. So it's his parents' grandkid mm-hmm. are they yep. not aware of this because they already are aware of his issues Yeah, I think they're pretty aware of it and just and they're okay with like yeah no our grandson is gonna go our young grandson is <laughs> yeah. gonna go live with our pedophile son. yeah nothing to worry about there. no just it's maybe they thought that like because oh, because he was... he's family yeah. you know, he wouldn't do such a thing to family. Yeah. Uh... If he's going to do that to little boys, he's going to do it to anyone. Yeah. So,
0: uh, (sighs) (laughs) so eventually Gordon asks Sanford's parents, like, hey, if, like, let him come live with me, he can go to school in America and, like, whatever. And they're like, okay, sure. So, around August of 1928, Sanford's sister Jessie, who is 19, came down to visit him and kind of low key to check on him mm-hmm. because he had been sending her letters and Gordon of course was like dictating what he was to say in these letters and it, it was supposed to be like hey everything's great school is wonderful I love America great, you know wonderful awesome. she was like mm, these seem sus so <laughs> I'm gonna just take a little trip so she goes down to visit and this is when Stanford tells her that Gordon has in fact been physically and sexually abusing him and one night while Gordon is sleeping, Sanford tells Jesse that Gordon had murdered four boys on the ranch. And Jesse's like, "Okay,
1: I'm gonna leave." <laughs> uh, no, that's when you say, "Okay, we're gonna pack up your stuff, and you uh-huh. and I are gonna leave, and we're gonna go to the police." Yeah.
0: So I can only assume that like Gordon wouldn't let her take Sanford. But she is a smart girl. Is he
1: chained to the wall? I don't know.
0: (laughs) All right. Okay. Say she's a smart girl. I'll give her some credit here. So she leaves. She goes up to Canada. She goes back to Canada. And she immediately goes to the American consul. And she's like, hey, you got some, you got a problem. And she's like, uh, this is happening. And so the American consul is like, we'll write a letter to the LAPD. (laughs)
1: Not
0: those <laughs> And thank God the LAPD were like, oh, we can't handle this. Let's contact immigration because technically this is a Canadian problem. So on August 30th. should be the FBI because it's a child crime. Yeah. Um, when was the FBI created? Oh, I don't remember. I don't think it was 1928. I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm not going to say anything on this podcast. We. Where's <laughs> Alec? <laughs> yeah. Jarek, fact check
1: it. <laughs> we need a live fact check.
0: I want to say it was the Hold on, let me guess. Jarek can cut this out cuz I'm sure I'm going to be wrong. Um, was it Hoover? Hoover? Hoover was not a president. It was
1: founded July 26 of 1908. So there's been 20 years. Oh, sh- of the FBI okay, at never this mind.
0: Point. <laughs> Who founded the FBI? I definitely thought a president did. I mean, I guess a president still could. We had presidents then. I'm
1: going to go to FBI.gov. <laughs> they will for sure tell you the truth about themselves. The birth themselves. of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As we all know, the FBI never lies. Mm-mm.
0: This episode of The Tales We Tell is brought to you by the Crafty Criminologist. Do you love cute and creepy stationery and stickers? What about ghoulish earrings and adorable ghosts? Then check out The Crafty Criminologist on Etsy and Instagram. She makes stickers, jewelry, study guides, and more. Just go to Etsy.com and search at Crafty Criminologist and be sure to use code The Tales We Tell at checkout for 15% off your order. That's The Tales We Tell for 15% off.
1: Hoover was around during like when the FBI got bigger. Gotcha. With the whole wiretapping thing. Gotcha. But I thought that was later on.
0: I don't know. I, for some reason, thought the FBI wasn't created until like the forties. I
1: think that was when
0: like the wiretapping. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. In conclusion, the FBI was
1: well. Also, you're thinking of Edgar J. Hoover. That I am. Okay.
0: Are there two Hoovers?
1: Well, Edgar J. was the head of the FBI. Uh Herbert Hoover was a president. Okay. Different, different Hoover's. Okay, thank God I'm not crazy.
0: <laughs> I remember thinking that, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, when why would the th- head of the FBI also be the president?" <laughs> it's like, doesn't it make sense. Okay, all right. So in conclusion, the FBI uh, was formed in 1908. Yep. Okay, in July of 1908. Okay, so yes, we should have called the FBI, but instead we called
1: mm.
0: Immigration ICE. <laughs> we called ICE. Oh, God. Uh, No,
1: (laughs) friggin' LAPD did. Golly. Yes. So, but also, like, just because the FBI had been around for 20 years at Mm -hmm. this point doesn't mean that it was operating in the way that it does today, whereas... True. I think, I think it's, like, automatically, if there's a kidnapping or any kind of child crime-related issue, I think, automatically, FBI has to be brought in. Gotcha. I don't know if they'll automatically take jurisdiction or not. I don't know.
0: Well, anyways, they didn't this time.
1: So, on August 31st, two immigration officers... <laughs> they were <laughs> probably like, this is way over our pay grade. With child it, kidnapping, <laughs> sexual assault, well, yeah. and, and it, murder. I
0: mean, presuming that they took Jesse, Well, Jesse of course, was a woman, so they, you know, might have thought she was being hysterical. But, but she was Canadian. They might be a little bit more level-headed this up there. That's true. Presuming that they believed what she said... These two immigration officers are like, okay, we're going to go to this farm where maybe there's a murderer. I don't know. But I guess we'll take him back to Canada because we're immigration. So they show up. And, like, the ranch is in the middle of nowhere. So there's, like, a long road to get there. And so Gordon sees them coming. And he tells Sanford to stall them. He's like, I'm going to get out of here. You stall them. If you don't, though, I'm really just going to be over in that tree line and I will shoot you. So, and Stanford's like, okay. So, these officers arrive and they take Stanford into custody and he stalls for two hours before he feels safe enough to be like, nope, my uncle's actually, yeah, he's he's for sure been abusing me. He also murdered some people and he went that way. <laughs> and so, immigration Presumably, at this point, it's like, okay, well, this is no longer our job. Like, we'll call someone else. So, Gordon and his mother, Sarah Louise, had fled to Why do you keep
1: looking at me like (laughs) that? Because you're, who else am I supposed to look at? I don't know, but you keep giving me this look (laughs) like you're expecting me to give birth and then raise a pedophile. No, no, no. Just because you know I'm going to spoil him doesn't mean he's going to be a monster. God.
0: So Sarah Louise, she like hasn't come into the story, but apparently she's been in the story this whole time. So Lying up after her son, basically. So she's uh, she's checking up on him, and somehow feels the need that she needs to also run away with him. On September nineteenth, Canadian police did their job and arrested Gordon and Sarah in British Columbia. The police have them in custody now, and they're like, okay, we're going to search your ranch because this child has told us that you have buried some bodies there. And they go to where Sanford told them to go, and they did find three shallow graves, but they did not find any complete bodies. They only found bone fragments, and they found 51 fragments total. They also found axes with human hair and blood on them among the farm equipment.
1: Well, you don't need forensics
0: (laughs) to... Yeah. They found a child whistle and several Boy Scout badges. They didn't find anything that was directly linked to Walter Jr.
1: But... Which Uh, I feel like this episode is two different stories (laughs) at this point. Yep. Oh, yeah. Remember Walter Jr. He is still missing. There's the Walter Arthur thing. And then there's this (laughs) guy. Then there's this guy.
0: So Jesse and Sanford both tell the police that Gordon and his mother had dug up the bodies that were buried on the farm on August 4th, which were just, it was, that was just a couple weeks before immigration showed up, and that they had taken them out to a deserted location and likely burned them. Sanford also told the police that he knew that Gordon had used quicklime to, like, dissolve the bodies. Mm -hmm. And according to Stanford, Gordon would routinely kidnap young boys so that he could sexually abuse them. He also, allegedly, because I only saw this one place, would, like, rent them out to, like, wealthy people with gross inclinations. <coughs> 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 but then when Gordon got tired of the boys or needed to get rid of them for other reasons, he allegedly... Took them into the incubator room to see baby chicks hatch. And while they were looking at cute baby chicks, he would kill them with an axe. So. Life and death in one room. uh, I hate that. Poor baby chicks, too. Good grief. Mm -hmm. In December of 1928, the authorities took Gordon back to the ranch, hoping to get some more information from him. And while he was there, he admitted to five or more murders. Three of, well, four of them. One of them, he did say, was Walter Collins. Then there was a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old who were brothers, whose names were Lewis and Nelson Winslow, and then there was an unidentified
1: young Mexican boy. Which... I was about to say, at least it was nice that he took the time to learn their names Yeah, well... so that we could remember them. <laughs> but no, well, not the Mexican boy. Here's
0: the thing. I heard a bunch of sources that just called him. First of all, they nicknamed him the Headless Mexican, which I was like, can we not do that? But then I read a source that said, oh, actually his name was Alvin And So I was like, Hmm. okay, well, can we just call him Alvin then? Because good grief. I bet it was, he knew the name. One source got it and Mm -hmm. other sources
1: just didn't care to report it properly.
0: So Alvin, unclear how old he was, according to that weird episode I was watching. He was possibly a teenager who Gordon, like, kind of came on to and rejected him and then gordon got mad so they think that maybe alvin was his first murder because they f- end up finding most of alvin's body except for the head and gordon said or i guess sanford said that gordon made him burn the head he like brought sanford the head and was like i need you to t- take care of this burn it and then break up the skull and then so I'm gonna go drop the body. not somewhere.
1: just mental and sexual abuse, but psychological yes, abuse and torture absolutely. there, too. Yes, Yes. Man, so. I hope Sanford got some sort of help and was able to live some semblance of a normal life at some point. I think he does. Well, I'm gonna tell myself that unless you okay. tell me otherwise.
0: <laughs> so, Sarah Louise confessed to being the one that actually killed Walter, but she says she made Sanford, again, her grandson... She made him help, and she told him that if they each, like, took turns hitting Walter until he died, that they would be equally guilty. But she did claim that she was the one who made the fatal blow.
1: It doesn't matter. I mean... She... He is a minor. And she is an adult who yeah. coerced this young this young boy into yeah. hitting another boy. Yeah. It doesn't matter if she left, left the landing blow or yeah. not... She is responsible for his murder and her alone. Also, if- Because there's no way Sanford's going to beat this other boy to death on his own. Also, if Sanford
0: thinks that, like, he will get killed or, like, you know, maimed or hurt Mm -hmm. or raped or whatever if he doesn't do this, like, I don't know. There's- Have your dad check the law for us because he said we were right on that
1: one law. (laughs) That I don't even remember what law we were talking about. I feel like
0: there's a law about this. Okay, so Sarah just goes, she's like, I'm just going to go ahead and plead guilty. So she's convicted for murdering Walter Jr. But during her sentencing, she claims that Gordon is completely innocent. And then she made a whole bunch of weird claims about him. And I think in her mind, she thought that these were justifications for like how twisted he was or I don't know. So, first she said he was the illegitimate son of an English nobleman. I don't know what relevance that has. She also said... Sounds like (laughs) she's maybe not a code 12, but a code (laughs) 2.
1: Legit
0: crazy. She also said, oh, actually I'm not his mother, I'm his grandmother. And also kind of his stepmother because he's actually the product of... An incestuous relationship between my husband and my daughter. And then she also said that he was... I feel like they might have had an incestuous relationship. Uh-huh. That comes up. If you're playing along in the drinking game, you can take a drink there.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so uh, she also says that Gordon was sexually abused by his entire family as a child. Which, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. But I would, I would think something happened in his childhood to make him this way but
1: i don't know so possible but not always a requirement some some people are just kind of born screwy (laughs) yeah wires crossed i don't know i'm not a psychologist you are a scientist though i'm a scientist take a drink so she took all my spit again (laughs) don't do that sorry
0: so sarah was ultimately sentenced to life in prison She was spared the death penalty because she's a woman, she's a lady. But for some reason, which I didn't look into, she was released after 12 years in prison, and she died in 1944 of not
1: prison stuff, I guess. But because prison stuff, official cause of death, not prison stuff. I mean, we don't know what it actually is, but we know what it's not.
0: I'm assuming natural causes, but meaning what I meant was she wasn't put to death by the state. I assume. So because Sarah had already confessed and been convicted of Walter's murder, the state decided not to prosecute Gordon for that death. But instead they indicted him on the murders of the Winslow brothers and Alvin Gauthier. They did speculate that he had killed as many as 20, but they just didn't have the evidence for that. (laughs) Again, it's the 1920s.
1: So The fact that they had the evidence to get all the others, though, yeah. I mean, we'll take it, you know. Honestly,
0: the fact that they could identify at least who they did mm-hmm. is pretty shocking to me. Yeah. So January ninth, sorry, January of 1929 is when Gordon's trial began. He, in not a surprise move, he fired multiple defense attorneys and ended up ultimately defending himself. Also, to no one's surprise, he was not a very good lawyer. <laughs> He admitted to abusing young boys because he was sexually attracted to them. He claimed to have had an incestuous relationship with his mother. He also called his mother as a witness, but she was not very helpful because she just kept repeating that she would do anything for her son.
1: Sounds like she did anything to him, too. (laughs) Yeah, gross.
0: Witnesses for the prosecution included friends of Gordon's who testified that during a visit to the ranch, they heard Gordon boasting about having a barrel of quicklime and a mysterious cavern, which, guys, if your friends ever talk about that, maybe just, maybe just drop an anonymous tip to the, I'm just, I just...
1: If your your friends are bragging about limes (laughs) and they are not making you a pie or garnishing Mm. your gin and tonic... Be concerned. Yes.
0: One of the witnesses also testified that Gordon had once talked of, quote, plugging a man's head full of holes. Cool. Cool, cool, Which I don't know what that means, but, again, if your friend says that, maybe drop an anonymous line to the police. Not the L.A. police, though. No. They didn't do a good
1: job. Uh -uh. I was going to comment, too, on that siren that we heard earlier. Yeah. it's like, oh, it's the LAPD coming to arrest us for making fun of them. (laughs) Yeah. Probably. But the fact that they passed us up and they're not here right now just kind of further (laughs) makes me think it might have been the LAPD. You know, maybe. J.K. just ragging on you guys, so (laughs) nobody who's in the LAPD or any police officer, please don't take (laughs) offense. I feel like it's fair for us to rag on the
0: 1928 LAPD. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Yes, we can do that. Because Because in this specific case, they did drop the ball a couple times.
1: They, oh, they, they dropped the ball and intentionally looked away and pretended they weren't even playing. They left like, the field. <laughs> they are like, hey, you, you dropped the ball. Well, we weren't playing basketball. We were, we were playing, you know. Quidditch. Yeah. <laughs> what she said. Um, so okay. see, like, we're still holding. We're, we're playing invisible. And see we this? We caught the golden snitch.
0: Where did we put it? Uh, we already put it away, yeah. so you can't see it. Okay. But 150 points to the LAPD. yeah <laughs> Okay, so, Gordon's trial lasted 27 days, and on February 8th, 1929, the jury returned a guilty verdict, and Gordon Northcott was sentenced to death. (laughs) So, Christine Collins, remember her? She spoke to Gordon in prison, before his death, obviously, and asked him directly if he killed her son, because she's really not wanting that to be true. And Gordon's answers are, like, all over the place. First he says yes, then he says no, and then he just makes up stuff. So Christine is like, you know what? I don't trust this guy. He's just saying anything. I think he's insane. He doesn't seem like he even remembers if he met Walter. So I'm going to choose to believe that my child might still be alive and that this guy is just crazy. So, she leaves. Shortly before his execution, Gordon sends her a telegram and says, Hey, I lied before when I said that your son was not one of my victims and that I didn't remember him. If you come visit me again, I will tell you everything. And so, Christine shows up and he allegedly said, quote, I don't want to see you. I don't know anything about it. I'm innocent. And... (laughs) Christine is, like, obviously very distraught. This poor woman. I know. But she tells herself that his ambiguous answers and his inability to remember details about Walter meant that there was still a slight hope that Walter might still be alive.
1: Well, after just messing with her mind like this. like There's there's no telling.
0: Yeah. Which, I don't know which is worse. Like, just, like, holding on to this belief that your child is alive somewhere, but, like, never seeing him again or believing that he was killed by this, like, monster.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. (sighs) Well... Clearly, since he can't abuse little boys anymore, he's just going to mentally abuse other people. Yeah, this guy.
0: And on October 2nd, 1930, Gordon Stewart Northcott, at 23 years old, was hanged at San Quentin Prison uh, and died.
1: Did Christine ever try to go to his mother? Because wasn't she... Technically convicted of Walter's murder? I don't know. I didn't see anything uh, that she did. I figured she would go, like, mother to mother.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, A couple follow-up points to this story. Sanford Clark was never tried for any murders, like, understandably. Yeah. I guess for some reason they felt like they did need to do some kind of legal action
1: Maybe because he admitted to taking part in the murders? I mean, yes, technically he might have been an accessory, but, like... But again, it's, under it's, coerci- more than, yeah. it's, not, it's more than just black and white. Like, yeah, it's just... He was in a place of self-preservation, I feel yeah. like. I think it was the
0: assistant district attorney was like, no, he was innocent because he was actually a victim, too, so I'm gonna work out a really good deal where you're only gonna have to go to like basically juvie for like five years. What?
1: And it was like
0: okay, what? but actually, like the first part no, of your this sentence, he doesn't need juvie; he needs therapy yeah. and a safe place to live. I was like, and- well, the first part of your sentence was correct. Like he is innocent; he He's was a victim. victim. Just stop there because the second part Makes didn't make any sense. No sense. But. Uh, So they sentenced him to five years at the Whittier State School, which was basically like a juvenile detention. It had a good reputation at the time for having, like, an actual rehabilitation program.
1: Imagine that.
0: And Sanford went there. He only ended up having to stay for 23 months because he was just, like, a good kid who didn't actually commit any crimes and wasn't bad. So he is released. He does go on to live... A nice long life, hopefully. I don't, I don't know, but hopefully he got therapy at some point, and he passed away at the age of seventy-eight in nineteen
1: ninety-one. And if he didn't get therapy, hopefully he at least just was able to live a comfortable, safe yeah. life. Get grief. And was able to find ways to deal with his trauma. Yes.
0: On September 30th, 1930, Christine Collins won a lawsuit against Captain Jones in the amount of $10,800, which is close to $155,000 today. Go, Christine. But Jones never paid it. Oh. And the last we heard uh, was in 1941 when she attempted to collect a 15562 judgment against Jones. But if her experience is anything like my experience with trying to collect on judgments of arrogant white boys uh she never got her money presumably i don't know if she ever did but i would i would assume that if in 1930 he didn't pay the court ordered amount that he didn't pay it again in 1941 the town of Wineville changed its name to Mira Loma, which means view from the hill, shortly after Gordon's execution so that they could distance themselves from that, that whole thing. <laughs> and Christine Collins' story inspired the 2008 movie Changeling. I was going to say something.
1: <laughs> I was going to say something, but I was like, you know what? I haven't seen... I haven't seen it either, and I thought about so, watching it. I'm not going to say anything. Plus, if it's related, she'll say something at yep, the end, and you did. So, uh, I think I'm going
0: to try and watch it, because it's a Angelina Jolie, mm-hmm. and it's a, I think Clint Eastwood directed it. They keep saying the Clint Eastwood film, Changeling, and I am assuming he's the director, because it doesn't seem like the kind of movie he'd be in, but...
1: Don't know. Maybe he's a producer or something.
0: This is one of those things that we're gonna just find out immediately after we stop recording <laughs> and then be like, "Huh. Yeah, well."
1: <laughs> well, we both of it. We've never seen it. It's also a 2008 film, yeah. so it's not like it came out last year or the year before. <laughs> like, it's a movie a that we've never seen. <laughs> Golly, that is what, 14 years old.
0: You know, it's really depressing. I graduated from high school in
1: 2008. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: graduated in '07. <laughs> We're our age. I know. Also, my 10 year college reunion is this year, which means yours was last year. Do you have the master's? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Sorry. Sometimes I don't, well, <laughs> most of the time, I don't know a lot of things about Katie.
1: Anyways. I'm secretive and elusive.
0: <laughs> that is the episode, the first one of 2022. It's a doozy to start the year. I off. know. That was, uh, I think I found it because I was looking at an article that was, like, movies inspired by true crime. Mm. And I just saw Wineville Chicken Coop Murders. And I was like, (laughs) what's that? That would snag my attention. And so I read the first part, which I was like, I don't know what movie this is. And then it got into everything about, like, and then a weird child came forward and said that he was Walter. And then the police said, you're crazy. Go to the hospital. Code
1: 12. Code 12. (laughs) Code 12. Code 12.
0: So, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Oh, so this is something I literally just started doing yesterday. So Was this a New Year's resolution? No, this was just I saw another Facebook page doing it. Mm -hmm. I've been seeing them do it for a while, and I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should try and engage people on Facebook a little bit more. (laughs) So we have focused mainly on our Instagram. I am trying a little bit more to engage with listeners on Facebook just by posting, like, prompts. Every day. Also, just because Facebook lets you comment pictures, and I love
1: seeing everyone's pictures. I saw a couple of the people's doggos. Yes. Did you see that? um, I saw Arthur and Molly. They got a little foster brother. I saw that. So
0: sweet.
1: Yes. (laughs) The Weasley pups.
0: I know. I was like, these are our favorite Harry Potter themed dogs. So. So, yeah. If you're on Facebook, keep an eye out for those. If you're not... I totally understand why you're not so. and if you're
1: on facebook and don't follow us it's the tales we tell podcast just yes. the same as our instagram yep and if you want to see pictures that we post like the ones we talked about today and look at mm-hmm. you know walter and arthur on horses Ooh. <laughs> looking exactly the same
0: on horses <laughs> uh
1: if you, you want to can... see
0: two little boys with completely different bone structures
1: so if you're not on social media and you still mm-hmm. want to see those pictures and any other, you know, pictures, content that we post, you can go to our website, com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support us, you can get yourself some sweet, sweet merch at yeah. redbubble.com. Search the Tales We Tell. Or you can become patrons and you get fun bonus content from short stories to mini episodes to full-length episodes to just other random stuff and stickers and our undying appreciation. Go yes. to patreon.com. Slash the Tales We Tell. Yep.
0: We put out, I didn't even tell you we were doing this. Uh, we put out, I we our, did it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked Jarek, I was like, uh, I was like, can you edit that bonus episode, like, this week? And he got it done on New Year's Eve. So I was like, cool. New Year's Day surprise. So we put out a bonus episode on New Year's Day.
1: To help you a, through your hangover.
0: Yep. But yeah, that's it. And I think I made that one available for all, for all of the patrons at mm-hmm. every level. But yeah, you can get fun stuff like that. You can also get stickers. Also, we love hearing from you guys. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered now <laughs> that I have a, a listener shout out, but I'm going to save it for next week so that they don't have to wait until the very end <laughs> of the episode to hear it. But it was someone who just messaged us and said like that they loved us and that they could use some stickers. So they're getting some stickers. All right. We In- love you, too. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Thank, thank, thank you, everyone. Good grief. And we will not be back Next week.
1: So we'll see you then.
0: Bye.